From the Tiger Cats Audio Network, this is Tiger Cats Game Day with Courtney Stephen and Mike Daly. Welcome to Tiger Cats Game Day presented by Tiffany Gate Fresh Gourmet on the Tiger Cats Audio Network. It is week 11. Tie Cats are fresh off a bye, playing host to the Edmonton Elks. My name is Courtney Steven, joined as always by Mike Daly. And heading into this week, Mike, we've got a brand new offensive coordinator. We've got a brand new opportunity. And the Tie Cats are looking to get back in the win column against a team who has yet to sniff a W this season. How's this one shaping up? Well, for the brand new coordinator, Part it's pretty good timing for the Tie Cats to be able to have a bye week and get Scott Milanovic in, right? Start talking to Taylor Powell, start trying to figure out, you know, what kind of person he is, how how they're going to attack Edmonton this week, right? So it gives them a little bit of time. So it's actually, you know, <laughs> for having a coordinator switch, which isn't always the best thing to happen in a season, um, it comes at a pretty decent time. Now. With things like this, right, and Court, you and I have experienced this before, coaching changes, coordinator switches, whatever it is, it almost gives you that, like, preseason spark again, that excitement again, the, you know what, I need to prove myself again as a player because now it's a new face, a new person you're trying to impress. Um, new teammates are trying to find their way into the depth chart, whatever it is. Um, it gives you that little bit of a spark. So really what I'm hoping for with the Cats is that we can kind of see, you know, that spark come out and and really pull them forward with this offense, at least. Yeah. And, you know, Tim White mentioned this week in his interviews that he was just trying to impress his new coach in practice. And I think when you have a change, especially a significant change of one of the leadership positions, um, the offensive coordinator specifically, it's kind of an opportunity to create no, it, it is definitely an opportunity to create a line in the sand and say, from this point forward, we're going to do things a little bit differently. The Ticats, seventh in the CFL, averaging 20 points per game on offense. Heading into their ninth, this will be the halfway point of the season. I think that there's a number of things you could point to and say that this is where the season took a turning point, if it did, and, and no better chance than right now because... I look at the schedule and it's not getting any easier. This is an 0-9 team who's been struggling to find themselves this season. And this week, they're getting back some of their playmakers. So let's talk about who is going to show up for this Edmonton team when they take the field at Tim Hortons Field. Uh, We have the quarterback, Trey Ford. What can you tell me about this dynamic Canadian quarterback and what's in his package? Yeah, well, Trey Fodor is as fast as anybody out there on the field, right? He is a absolutely dynamic Canadian quarterback. And frankly, what Edmonton Elks fans have been asking for for a very long time. They want to see what this guy can do. He's come in. If you remember... Court, I think it might have been last year he came into Hamilton and he won a game. He started and won. He did. Right? And he is a he is a very capable quarterback. Pretty big arm. But the problem that he brings, and we've talked about this with Dustin Crum, is his running ability. The difference between a Trey Ford and the other running quarterbacks is Trey Ford is faster than a lot of these skill players, right? Those 
those fast guys that are out there on defense, he makes fast guys look slow at times, mm-hmm. right? So it's a very difficult thing for defenses to try to plan for because generally your whole defensive scheme and structure is based around your defensive ends being faster than your quarterback, right? So Trey Ford brings that added added value, especially with him and Kevin Brown back there who's been doing really well as, at running back for Edmonton. There's just a lot of different options that they have in the run game to kind of give this Ticats defense some fits. Yeah, and they will definitely need to keep an eye on him when the quarterback is one of the fastest players on the field, like you mentioned. That opens up the playbook to a lot of different things. The Ticats and the Elks, they are the last two place teams in the league in points allowed. So we can expect to see some offense in this one, but the Ticats, they will want to make sure they focus on stopping the quarterback. And and that may mean putting a spy on him. And I don't know if the spy can be a a D tackle or a D end. It might have to be a linebacker. It might have to be Stavros Katz and Tonis sometimes coming down there. It might have to be creative ways of confusing the young quarterback to make sure that he is on his toes as much as they are on their toes. Now he is going to be throwing the ball up to a couple of different threats. I mean, on paper, this Elks team, they've got playmakers and coming back into the lineup is Eugene Lewis, a guy who is very proficient at the 50, 50 ball. He can go up and get it with anybody on any team in this league. So he is somebody to look out for and to pay attention to, especially as you get within striking distance of the end zone. And then of course, Steven Dunbar Jr., a guy that Ticats fans will be familiar with. So for Edmonton, what has been the thing that they have not been able to do this year that they might try against the Ticats? Is it just going for that big play? I mean, they have put up points against Winnipeg in their last game, but they couldn't hold on. What what is the strategy that you think they're going to take approaching this Hamilton defense with those kinds of big play receivers outside? Yeah, well, like we were saying, because Trey Ford can run around a little bit, um, that now takes an extra defender to worry about him, right? You talk about these spy things, somebody that's just watching them the whole time, not really playing any zone coverage, not really playing any man coverage. They're just sit there, watch them. So what that does is it allows these receivers to get one-on-one matchups as opposed to having help, you know, with a zone somewhere or whatever it might be. And when you have receivers like Eugene Lewis, who is one of these rebound type guys, and that means... You know, you don't even have to throw a good pass. You can throw the court. You and I can get back there and throw a jump ball out to Eugene Lewis, and he'll come down with them more times than not. And he's shown it time and time again. So what that gives Trey Ford with Eugene Lewis, Stephen Dunbar, right, even Mitchell on the other side, um, they have some guys that can get open, and especially if we're going to be having to show one-on-one coverage from the Ticats defense. Um, it gives them some opportunities for some explosive plays, I think, just because of Trey Ford's running ability. Yeah, and so let's look at the other side of the coin there. So the the defense for the Ticats, relatively unchanged, except for one big addition that is worth talking about. Two changes. Mason Bennett is back in the lineup, and he's a guy who had a solid year last year. He made some contributions. He'll be in the rotation. We know D-linemen don't play 100% of the snaps, so you can expect to see him. And he's a dynamic guy who's been known to chase down some quarterbacks. But Dylan Wynn, number 98, he had a long-term injury that he is bouncing back from. 
I know he was on the sixth game. He came back onto the second sixth game. Now he's in the lineup. What impact does Dylan Wynn make to this defense? And does that have to be something that the offensive line for Edmonton has to factor in? Yeah, they'll have to factor it in. But anytime somebody comes back from one of these long-term injuries, you want to treat it kind of like a pitch count type thing. Like, yes, Dylan Wynn has been working back to get into shape and doing all that kind of stuff, which he will be, right? But when you haven't played the physical game that is a, a game day for these CFL players, you just never really know. So I think it'll be kind of like how we had talked about before with shaking off the rust. Um, if you haven't played for a while, it'll be that for Dylan Wynn. But expect him to be in there. And if he is anywhere close to what he was before the injury, that's one of the best D linemen in the league, right? And he is so dynamic, and he can he can really break a game open from interior, which is tough to do, right? Like, you know, Ticap fans, we know this from Ted Laurent over the, the past bunch of years, right? Past 10 years, essentially. Dylan Wynn is essentially that type of player, one of these guys that can break the game open from the interior line, which really shuts down a lot of these run plays. And, you know, I'm kind of excited to see Dylan Wynn get back because – you know, him being a teammate of both of ours, it's he's a really good locker room guy. But now to see him back out there on the field, it's it's good news. Yeah, and the Ticats will need to really start this game up front because they haven't had their traditional run-stopping, nasty D-line play that they've been known for over the past few years. They've got great players up front. Malik Carney has had some multi-big play games. Trey Crawford has been getting his name called out by the PA announcer. You got Casey Sales, who's Mr. Clutch in the cover zero, getting his hands up on the goal line. Ted Laurent, of course, the Haitian rip. He's been making impact plays. All of these guys individually have popped up on film and have have made impact plays in the game, I think getting them to all show up in the same game, especially a game like this where you're trying to get some momentum rolling into the back half of the season, getting momentum rolling into Labor Day, which we know is really the, the start of the season. I think this game will be won if it is to be won starting on the defensive line and the offensive line. We've got Brandon Kemp, Revenberg, David Beard, Coulter Woods-Manzi, and, and Sartor, who's who's found a home for himself on that offensive line. So taking it over to the Ticats offensive line, the guys who are going to be protecting uh, Taylor Powell, do you feel like they're starting to gel and, and that that extra bye week would be something that can you know, give them a little bit of confidence heading into what we don't really even know what to expect as fans? Would it be the same offense would it be a completely watered down and simplified version of a new offense um, do they have confidence coming into this one because of the people who are at the front who I think might have been one of the more solid groups on this team yeah and you know I, I it is nice to see that this O-line is kind of gelling together and that they're getting the same cast of characters that are showing up to every game right because like we had talked about before the O-line is is such a continuity position where it really needs to be built on experience and built on guys that work together. So to see the continuity of this offensive line is great. But that being said, they have a task of facing a guy this week in Edmonton like A.C. Leonard, right? And we have talked about A.C. Leonard before, but it just continues to flash every time you watch the film or see a game. 
he is this ultra athletic defensive lineman and he's very tough to deal with because of how fast and how physical he is so wherever he lines up which will be one of the ends right so camp or sartor they'll they'll get the majority of the looks at ac leonard but understand that they're going to be helping out those offensive linemen with little chip blocks from the running back right little press blocks from a tight end whatever it can be to kind of help out those linemen because this guy will be a good test for for this offensive line and 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 to protect taylor powell but court i do want to go back to because you brought it up is the new coach scott milanovic coming in right the new offense and how much you can change or what you'll see right the scott milanovic that i remember was the old ricky ray days Mm. right and really, with those old Ricky Ray days, what you would see was it was very simple offenses, which is good in the sense of it makes the quarterback reads very easy, right? Makes quarterback reads very easy, simple offense, but it comes from a bunch of different looks, different mm-hmm. personnel packages. So you're always getting caught off guard, and then next thing you know, you're like, hold on a second, that's the same play they ran two drives ago. And then that was also the same play they ran in the first quarter. But you're not used to it, so it's very simple reads for the quarterback, but it catches this defense off guard. So I don't know if that'll come out this first week, but it, it maybe bodes well for Taylor Powell and a young quarterback to be able to step into an offense with a guy like Scott Milanovic. And it definitely helps that he was in training camp. So he's a little bit familiar with these players. These players have some familiarity with him. And to your point, uh, keeping it something that's easy to digest and understand, football is based on concepts at the end of the day. So when uh, outsiders, people who haven't been in the meeting rooms, they look at one of those offensive playbooks because the offensive playbook tends to be way bigger than the defensive (laughs) playbook defense has about 20 plays offense will have 200 but that offensive playbook is exactly what you said it is a number of concepts and then getting into those concepts a ton of different ways through formations and personnel packages so i would anticipate seeing the star players or the players that scott milanovich believes are the ones who can make the biggest impact as highlighted players. So you might see a little bit more of a shift, you know, with a guy like Anthony Johnson coming into the lineup out of out from an injury that he sustained in camp coming back in. Now all of a sudden, this wide receiver group just got a little bit taller. And if I'm looking at you know, Duke Williams, Anthony Johnson, that to me seems like I might be able to throw a few more of those balls that are up in the air and I trust my guy to go get it without necessarily having to go as lateral and just get the ball to a quick guy and let him make a big play. Now, does that mean they don't throw screens? Of course not. There's going to be a lot of those, but I think you can see more corner routes. I think you see more digs over the middle. I think you see the post route being thrown, the diagonal. I think you're going to see all of those things because those are staples in a Scott Milanovic offense. And if I had to put my money down, I think the first completion of this game is that good old fashioned Ricky Ray corner route. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't throwing the bullets, but when you, you can read the DBs and you see it, their shoulders are open or closed, it's just really a simple throw. So I'd love to see Taylor Powell come out with confidence, know where he wants to deliver the ball and put it there on rhythm, but that remains to be seen. Now, I mean, there's another thing that we should talk about, which is um, there's been a change at, at punter. Now, 
punters, you, you're usually thinking, how big of an impact <laughs> is this? You know, but um, Bailey, Bailey Flint was one of the best in the league, according to Pro Football Focus, to this point in the season. So Vedvik comes into the game. Do you see position, field position being a big factor in this one? Is it always a big factor or is this something that is really a nothing burger? Yeah, I think when you talk about the kickers, right, maybe it's less of a big deal to rotate one in or the other just because these professionals, kickers, right, the punters, the field goal kickers, they're always working on it in the offseason. When you get to that professional level, yeah, the the best of the best are going to be a little bit above, obviously, the ones that are in and out of lineups. But at the end of the day, most of them can punt the ball, you would hope, right, if they're professional football players so I don't see a massive difference the only thing that I see a little bit of a difference is when punting the ball there's certain locations you want to hit so yes punting the ball very far is good right but if you punt the ball straight down the middle of the field the CFL field is too wide right so to in order for this cover team the punt team or the kickoff team to run down there if you kick it in the middle it spreads them out a lot Right, So now there's all these holes, all these seams. It's easier to return against that. So when you have a new punter that maybe can't get it close to the sideline, that maybe can't get it in the correct spot, well, then now there's a little bit more issues that come with this field position battle, which when you talk about two struggling offenses, Court, and you know, Ticat fans have heard us talk about this, the special teams needs to pick them up, right? It needs to get them good field position. The defense needs to stop them earlier and not let them sustain drives, so that you can put the offense in good field position. But ultimately, it's to the special teams to start flipping these fields. So it'll be interesting to see how the new punting comes, but you hope that he's just he's able to place the ball at least outside the numbers when everyone's watching for punting, right? Let's place it outside the numbers in between the sideline, and then it should be super easy for that cover team to be able to hold them to like a minimal field position. So... Let's talk about who we're going to see in this game going head to head. Of course, we've we've gone through all the different position groups. But if you were to watch some folks go, that are going to be battling out the game within the game, where would you be focused? I'm going to go right back to what I had mentioned before. The Kendrick Sartor versus the AC Leonard. Right. When you have a guy like AC Leonard on the team opposite of you that you're trying to play. He is an absolute focal point. And really for a struggling Elks defense, he is that shining that shining star that's out there because Luchez Purifoy is actually going to be out this game, who's another big playmaker for them. So really it's up to AC Leonard to try to break that game open. So expect the Ticats not just to leave Sartor by himself, but I think that's kind of where my matchup is going to go because at some point when it is that one-on-one matchup between Sartor and AC Leonard – we're going to hope that he holds up so that Taylor Powell has some time to look downfield and, and make a play. Yeah, and you know what? It, if the offensive line doesn't hold up, you got a young quarterback back there. They don't even have to actually sack him to disrupt the rhythm and disrupt his delivery. Another reason why we sp- spoke about bigger receivers, we talked about Anthony Johnson, Duke Williams, those guys have a more forgiving radius for a quarterback. They're quarterback-friendly receivers, meaning when they come out of the break, he doesn't have to put it literally between the numbers for it to be a catchable ball if your catching radius is much bigger. Whereas with the small receiver, it's got to be right on the money. So I think the offensive line, just buy him some time 
and give him a clean pocket to throw from. And I think, you know, easier said than done, but that's one of the major keys to victory in this one. And continuing on that, I'd say my big matchup to watch would be the veteran Ed Ganey, who's playing halfback versus Duke Williams, because Ed is a guy who finds his way to the ball. He gets turnovers and whether it's by a tip or if it's a forced fumble or if he just happens to find his way to the quarterback and get a sack he's he can do all of those things he's of course getting a little bit up there he's got a lot of years under his belt at this point but that just means that he's seen all of it he's seen Scott Milanovic's offense before he's seen Duke Williams from different teams before and so uh when Ed Ganey and number one Duke line up against each other I would love to see how that plays because that's two competitive guys right there that's two very highly competitive guys and really I think that's what the CFL game is all about is second and long and you go to your big play receiver against their big play DB and you see who wins yeah I agree I agree for sure and court one thing I think I'm going to look at for you know kind of a trend of this game is because of the movement away from Tommy and in with Scott, right? I think a lot of what the Ticat fans were asking for, and maybe internally we're trying to see a little bit more, to switch up the play calling a little bit, which means ultimately getting James Butler involved a lot more, right? So I know it had always been a conversation like, okay, well, James Butler, let's get him the ball. Let's get him the ball. Let's get him the ball. Well, hopefully that fresh face is calling the plays, right? The fresh outlook on the offense. Maybe this is one of those things where you watch the film, you see James Butler's doing a lot of good things, and you say, all right, I need to get James Butler the ball. And as Scott Milanovic, hopefully he's getting into this game going, you know what, I'm going to make it a point to hand this ball off to James Butler X amount of times, right? As long as the game flow allows me to do so or get him the ball some different way a certain amount of times because when you have a player like that that is itching to get the ball more, Maybe that's kind of one way he leans, but hey, that's why we talk behind the microphone and we watch just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it would be cool to see some of those uh, two back sets where the defense has to figure out which one of these guys is going to release and which one of them is going to actually be the running back because Tyreek McAllister and and uh, James Butler putting both of those guys in the backfield or splitting them both out. They've got unique skill sets and they can create problems both ways. Like you said, getting to similar concepts from different formations and personnel groupings, you know, putting a, a receiver in the flat, putting a running back in the flat, going submarine across from the opposite side of the formation and going to the flat. They, there's, they're going to have a heavy dose of all of it, but uh, excited to see what they choose to open up with, because that will set the tempo for the rest of the game. And, Speaking of, you know, James Butler, Tyreek McAllister, big play guys, who's your X factor for this game? Yeah, I think, you know, when you talked about bringing Scott Milanovic back and, and maybe he'll be looking to get some of these big playmakers uh, a couple passes, a couple catches, Tim White is the guy I'm waiting for, right? Tim White is this big play player that I'm waiting to get going a little bit, right? He had a game earlier on in the season that was unbelievable, but since then, pretty quiet. Right, so I really do want to see Tim White get going, right? Because now that just adds another explosive element to this offense, and you know it'd be really nice to to see him be featured just a little bit as well. 
Yeah, I like Tim White. I like Sean Thomas Erlington mm. as well as a good spell to James Butler. He's a guy who can really, after you put together four plays, you bring in STE. If he gets at least five touches, I expect him to get an explosive, whether that's in the passing game or if that's in the running game, because he's just he's just got that skill set. He's smaller stature, but he's built and he's got balance. And so he can break tackles and he can create space for himself. So I'll be looking forward to seeing 31 break a big play. And, you know, we covered a lot of stuff, but there's so much more to cover. So make sure, Cats fans, that you tune in for pregame because during Tiger Cats pregame presented by Greenworks, we will have our Greenworks Listen to Win contest. Listen for the keyword and somebody who gets it right will win a Greenworks 80 volt, 16 inch front mount string trimmer, including battery and charger, courtesy of our partners at Greenworks. Tiger Cats pregame starts at 6.30, and you can listen to the show at listen.tigercats.ca. And after pregame, you know, bu- uh, after Bubba and Andy, you got RJ and Luke who will have the call if you cannot make it to the donut box for this battle between the Ticats, 3-5, and five, third in the East, looking to get back in the win column against the Edmonton Elks, who are 0-9, but dangerous looking to take out the Ticats and really ruin the parade, ruin the party in Hamilton. So this one will be exciting. I'm going to be there. Mike's going to be there. Make sure you're there. And if you're not, listen.ticats.ca. We appreciate you tuning in for another game day. And until next week, have a great day. It's game day and you're ready. So are we. Let us know your thoughts. Email us at gameday at ticats.ca. Courtney Steven and Mike Daly are here every game day with their insights into today's game. Subscribe to the Ticats Audio Network on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.